of you who are only hearing and not seeing today, that was Alan Klein, accompanied by Vance Music Director Debbie Briding. <clears throat> I 
We are finishing this morning a series we have been doing. Oh my gosh. Hi, Carrie Abraham. How are you? I'm so glad to, like, I did that, yes, I did that last week with Jill because I was just so, so pleased to see, hi, it's so nice to see you all. It's been really hard to preach to 10 people or whatever's been here recently. And I love the 10 of you that have been here. Don't misunderstand. Thank you. Um, but it's nice to see people easing their way back in. Um, we are finishing today our sermon series called Dining with Jesus. It's been a series about the Lord's Supper. We hope you've been paying attention to that. Um, we started out talking about how in Reformed tradition, we do not celebrate sacraments individually. We celebrate them as a community of faith. And so I raised the question, is a virtual community actually a community? And I am assured mostly by members of our church who are well into their 80s and not very technologically endowed that, yes, indeed, a virtual community is a community, an important way for them to engage in worship. So um, we, we are glad that those of you who are on the radio and watching on Facebook are engaged and worshiping with us. We then turn to the notion about how the sacraments that we celebrate in Reformed tradition are different from those from other uh, Christian traditions. And the main message of that was that in Reformed tradition, Jesus is fully present in, at the table with us in communion, but Jesus is spiritually present with us. Last week, we turned to the notion of, is this just a memorial meal? We write on our table, do this in remembrance of me. So a lot of people think it's just that we're just here to remember what Jesus has done. But in fact, we are not here just to remember. We're here to remember and to celebrate and to anticipate a time when we will feast in glory with our Lord. And today we're going to turn our, our, our attention to instructions for communion. Now all along we have started, we started in the Old Testament with texts. We went then to the gospel lessons to see about Jesus and his last supper or in John as we learned his last breakfast. Um, and today we'll turn to Paul and the instructions that he gave for communion. And we are in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. We're starting in the 17th verse. And it sounds like this. Now in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Because when you come together, it is, is it, it is not bet, for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with... When you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. Indeed, there have to be factions among you, for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine. When you come together, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper. For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper, and one goes hungry, and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. 
For I received from the Lord what I also handed to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also, and after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable to the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves. And only then eat the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body and eat and drink, eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If you are hungry, eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for your condemnation, but, for, but, but the other things I will give instructions when I come. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. About a generation and a half ago, it became an interesting debate in the field of missiology, that is, in sending missionaries across the world, about how exactly communion should be celebrated. We had discovered by that time that we had taken our white Western ways and tried to impose them on different cultures, particularly in Africa and Asia, and that that wasn't always working for them. And so the debate raged. When we celebrate communion, for example, in a culture that does not have bread and wine, Would it be all right to substitute instead the things of their culture, like rice and goat's milk? Interesting to think about, hmm? A way to make the meal more meaningful, perhaps, to people by engaging their culture and making it something that is more tangible and palatable for them. However, taken to its extreme, think about what this might look like. If the culture of our youth group is a youth group, is it okay then to use pretzels and Kool-Aid to have the Lord's Supper? There's some, there's, I, wish, I wish all of you who were watching and listening could see the faces that I'm seeing right now. Some of them are kind of going like this. I think that's a no for pretzels and Kool-Aid. 
Is it okay to use Oreos and milk? That's part of our culture. Chicken wings and Bud Light? I'm trying to get more and more absurd as I go. I don't know where it's going to stop, but a couple people in the back going, chicken wings and Bud Light, I'm coming to communion every week. Yeah, all right. (laughs) That's not it, though. The idea is, how do we reach the culture in which we are and in which we engage, right? To me, it doesn't matter what you use. What matters is, have you been thoughtful about what you're doing? See, the word for today is prepare. Prepare. Say it with me. Prepare, right? The thing about taking communion, engaging in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper is that we must, as Christian people, be prepared. The larger catechism of our church, one of the confessional documents that we use, we'll read as our affirmation of faith later, says, they that receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper are before they come to prepare themselves thereunto by examining themselves of their being in Christ. Before you come to this table, you should be asking yourself and you should be asking your God, how are Jesus and I doing? What's our relationship look like? Are we joined together as one? Am I really acting as if Jesus is my Lord and Savior? And as I consider my relationship with Jesus, have I also considered things like my relationship with my neighbor? Do I harbor anger and hostility toward others? And if not, have I confessed that to my Lord? We talked a little bit a few weeks ago about the differences between some of our Christian traditions and what the sacrament means for them. In Roman Catholic tradition... And understand, if you missed that, understand, I went to great lengths to say, just because I'm saying that traditions are different, I am not saying that traditions are wrong. Being Presbyterian is, for me, a helpful way of being Christian. So I'm going to tell you what we believe, and to do that, I need to compare it. Roman Catholics have seven sacraments, not two, and one of their sacraments is confession. And they go to a priest to confess. During the Reformation, Martin Luther said, we don't need the priest, we don't need the middleman. We can go ourselves to confess. And part of how that has evolved for us as Protestants is, somehow in our heads we've gotten that that maybe we don't need to confess at all. 
wrong. Do you notice every week we have a prayer of confession, a time of confession in here? And it runs through a whole litany of things where we confess our sins, we reflect in silence so that we can reflect, so that we can confess our individual sins, and we receive forgiveness for that from our Lord. So as you think about preparing yourselves for the sacrament, what sins do you need to confess to the Lord before you come to this table? What repentance do you need to claim that Jesus is standing, willing to offer you simply for the asking? And people say, well, that's an awful lot. You're asking a lot, Pastor. Okay. Yeah. Said, my kids could never do that. Let's talk about your children for a minute. And by the way, if you are a communion server, if you're an elder or deacon who is, is involved in offering communion to this congregation... Pay attention, please. Our denomination, our book of order, is abundantly clear that baptized children are to be welcome at this table. And you say, well, children can't understand all that stuff you just went through. No, but on some level they can understand what they understand. We can convey this to them on a level that they understand. Second graders don't understand advanced calculus, but they can add. So we teach them math as they grow, like we teach them theology as they grow, like they grow in their relationship with Christ, and they learn more and more all the time. Children are welcome at this table. Now, Part of the preparing for that is parents don't just, you know, drag your kid up here or grandparents and say, eat this stuff, get going. Explain to them what's happening. That's part of the preparation. And by the way, Session, the Book of Order is also abundantly clear that it is our obligation to make sure our children are taught. And that they really understand what's happening here. Jane has a nephew who calls um, communion the snackrament. Isn't that adorable? I love that. Um, But let them understand that this is a meal with Jesus, not just a snack that they have after school, right? So we're trying to figure out as we prepare What does this meal look like if we can't be all together here in this place, which many of us cannot be because of concerns about a virus and maybe other concerns in our world after the last few days of things erupting? Well, here's what I say. Prepare. If you are going to take this sacrament at home, prepare. First of all, you must be a part of our community. You can't just sit at home in your breakfast nook and say, hey, I'm going to have communion today. 
No. You're part of our worshiping community. We worship together. And as we do, we have prepared for what is to come. Set your table. Put some flowers on the table. What do you do when somebody nice is coming for dinner? Right? When I was a kid, the pastor would come. I hated it. Hated it. Because first of all, I had to put on a dress with tights and patent leather Mary Janes. I had to practice the piano because I was going to be asked to play for him. And as Debbie knows, I tell all the kids who she teaches, I could play the piano like Debbie too if I'd ever practiced when I was a kid. So practice, children. I tell them that. You know, you've heard it. And then we'd set the table. With good china, nice linens, the silver. What guest are you ever going to have come to your home? Is going to be greater than Jesus. Prepare. Set your table. Figure out what plate and cup you're going to use. And get your elements beforehand. And like I said, I don't care if it's cookies, Oreos and cookies, or wine and flatbread, or whatever it is. But think, put some thought into it. Don't just run into the pantry at, you know, 1045 because we're about to start and grab whatever you can find. Prepare for this like you would prepare for having a guest come to a fine meal. And then we will be able to partake together as one community of faith bound together in the love of Jesus. See, this meal isn't about us. It's about what God has done for us. It's about our memory of Christ's sacrifice for us, but yes, also the fact that we celebrate that by offering praise and thanksgiving to God and preparing ahead of time by preparing our hearts and our homes, including our children and our whole lives. even as we consider that Christ prepares for us to one day feast with him in glory. Thanks be to God. Amen.